<laughs> and uh, I saw this guy. I thought, I recognize that guy. That's the YouTube guy I learned my tips from. <laughs> um, and I was, I was thinking, how the hell, what's going on here? And I looked at his name badge. I said, no, it can't be. He hasn't got his name. But I said, yeah, it is. He's got a fake name badge to get into E3 because he's not considered a journalist. <laughs> he's not considered industry. Now the guys are running those shows. Exactly. <laughs> but back then, they weren't even let in. Yeah. Because they were just kids in their bedroom making video and yep. they were not recognized. In this video, we talk with Liam Chivers. Liam is a highly successful talent manager and has pioneered YouTube and online influencer program in the UK. Since founding OP Talent in 2012, Liam has educated hundreds of global brands and entertainment companies on the value and best practices of brand marketing and content promotions. Liam has been instrumental in developing once unknown individuals into some of today's most powerful online influencers. This is Creative Disruption, the intersection where entertainment, data, and creativity meet. Here's your hosts, Ricky Ray Butler and Daryl Eves. Welcome back, everyone. This is Daryl Eves with the Creative Disruption, and I'm super excited to be here because I'm sitting by my friend, Ricky Ray Butler. How you doing, Ricky? <laughs> I'm doing great, and thank you for that loving intro. Again. That's right. That's right. Because we're friends. He's my cohort. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I'm really interested in disruption. I mean, that's what this podcast's all about. Uh, but there's nothing more disruptive in the entertainment industry than celebrity status. Would you right. say? Like, For sure. Like when I was a kid, it's totally different today. Oh, it's one hundred percent. Like when I was a kid, like I grew up like on the A Team and Knight Rider. Oh, I mean, seriously, the A Team was like the best. I mean, Mr. T. Did you love Mr. T? Oh yeah, yeah. I loved Mr. T. He's awesome. <laughs> Pity the poop. <laughs> I, I, I loved love his mohawk. Oh, the mohawk, but it's the whole. You should, you should get one like that. No. no <laughs> there's certain things that should never happen. I should never have a mohawk and wear a whole bunch of chains. You know, no, no, uh, no. I can pull it off. But no, uh, like I, I would say the dynamic of of that celebrity status is is really interesting, especially now. I think a lot of people are like A-list cele celebrities. They they have the power, but you have individuals that that wield more power like of celebrity than any A-list celebrity would. Right. Well, today it's not about being able to act or being on a production. It's really about figuring out how to take that clout and that influence and diversify, you know, the amount of income that you get, you know, from that celebrity status. Yeah, yeah. No, and what's fascinating um, is something actually happened here in the UK uh, not too long ago. It was the KSI fight. Oh, yeah, up in Manchester. It was, it was awesome. Now, now you were there. there. I was there. I was there. Okay, so... I have this theory, and I like I, I'm sticking to it. I'm sure I heard it. It was rigged, man. It, like, like seriously, it's like okay, we'll we'll fight again. You know, so, we, we didn't quite get there. You know, come on, a draw. So, so I, I, see, I see, no. I, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. However, anyone that makes that theory and makes that claim was watching it streaming. Okay, if you were there at the event, it was very real. Like, I mean, everyone is battling as hard as they could. I mean, you saw like the the Jake Paul and and Comedy Shorts Gamer fight. It was a real fight, and you could tell that none of them were experts in fighting. Okay, because I've, I've seen a lot of fights in my life. Yes, no, I have as well. I'm a huge <laughs> UFC fan. I watch a. I used to watch a lot of boxing back in the day. It looked like a sparring match. It, it, it was a sparring match for sure. But you know, Logan and KSI wanted to kill each other. Yeah, and they were both really going at it, and it was equal. Like Logan Paul is like way bigger than the guy, but KSI was trained. And so you had that balance and everyone's thought, oh, it's a draw. It, it was fake. And they want to do it again. No, I, I think if one of them won, it would have been even a better, a better duel for the next fight. It would have probably made a better story for it as well. I am not buying it. No, I'll try. So <laughs> I, I was very close to ringside. And, and I mean, when you hear the punches, when you hear, you know, when you hear the, when it actually connects and, and you see the real reactions that they're both having, it's much different. Like, I mean, my wife and I, we had a couple of friends there. We all bought in. Like, we, we all we all think it was real. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll let you have your theory in this magical, <laughs> well, no, 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 no. In this magical mine, world. Mine is fact. Yours is theory. <laughs> I don't know you, that. You watched on a little small screen. No, I was there in person. All I have to say is I, I can see, like, far away, I can see how people position themselves uh -huh. and how they lead up. And I thought, you know, the fight was actually really good in the sense of, 
all the promotion, it, it, it was like off the charts amazing. Yeah. And I thought a lot of the boxing world, it was really interesting to see how those worlds actually collided. And Well, they all got respect from the boxing world with what they accomplished. Oh, yeah. They made millions of dollars. Well, I, I look at, no, like for me, it's like, like you had uh, Mayweather, who yeah. I think is the best promoter ever in the existence of boxing. Like he, well, I, Muhammad Ali was pretty good too, but mm -hmm. it's like, like, by far, just really, really good at his craft, really good at the storytelling and the buildup and so on. And then he just kicked everybody's butt. But in this in this case, I think they, they learned a lot. And I think they learned a lot of things that, that they did right and wrong in it. But to me, it, it felt like WWE. I, I, I mean, <laughs> well, I, and I, I, don't get me wrong. I love WWE. It's They're great storytellers, I, I but think, that's what it I was. I think a lot of it was because of the promotions I mean, up front. And I think that's probably what people like correlate the two together because – like there was a lot of Seamus bragging and, and fighting back and forth yeah. and arguing. But um, yeah, like, I mean, if anything, it was very impressive. And, and it, it was a very historical, um, it was a historical moment in, in, in our industry showing, like, you know, the clout and, and the influence. Or, I, mean, the influence I, I think that, that was actually. That, um, I, creators have. I agree with that. And I think it's like one of the most pirated streams that actually yeah. happened on Twitch in a very long time. Yeah. So we have, you know, <laughs> our guest today. Um, was, you know, one of the geniuses behind, you know, um, this event. Oh, so we could actually yeah, so settle we can, it. We can, we can go can to the source <laughs> and we can, we can, we can hear the theory, but we, we have Liam Chivers here, um, who is a good friend of mine. I've worked with for over seven years let me, in this let me industry. Guess. He's the one that got you tickets to go. <laughs> possibly. He possibly helped. He possibly helped. I will not reveal that right here. I, I'm sure he doesn't want everyone knocking on his door, but I've worked with Liam for a long time. He's a pioneer. Um, in the influencer space, um, he was one of the first, you know, managers of of YouTubers um, here in the UK, and he actually currently runs the biggest influencer management company in in the United Kingdom. Oh wow! And and is and the most profitable. Um, and it's because he's not only just managed people and has like sat around like waiting for them to make money. He goes out and he makes things happen on behalf of his talent. And so, you know, we've worked with each other loads and loads of time. So. Um, yeah, we should we should definitely get some insight from him on your theories. Um, here we have um, Liam Shivers. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me, guys. Good to be here. Oh, it's, it's our <laughs> the pleasure. The band is real. <laughs> it, it, it is real. It is real. But the question is, <laughs> what's the other part real? That's the only reason I'm here, right? <laughs> uh, it was totally real. I mean, listening to what you're saying, you're saying about, oh, it was more WWE than, than, than actual quality boxing. Correct, it was. These guys are huge entertainers right. with, at the time, 36 million, 37 million subscribers between each other. It's not because they're pro boxers. It's because they're <laughs> entertainers, right? And they, they, they know how to tell stories. They want to punch story. each other. <laughs> and that, that evolved totally legitimately. You know, KSI was very near the mark on the way he was winding Logan up, but that was part of the strategy, weaken him in one way or the other, build the interest up. It wasn't just about promoting the fight. It was genuinely trying to get under each other's skins to see who is the king. You know, yeah. the top guys yeah. in the UK and the US colliding. It was a wonderful moment and a wonderful buildup. Yeah, I, so. I actually thought it was brilliant marketing. Uh, you know, it's, I, I think it was Absolutely. marketing at its finest in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, and so very well done. First off, uh, it, it definitely grabbed the attention of all the internet and the internet was looking at it. You had some even, you had some even, uh, you know, websites and blog posts that were like, nobody actually reads it. And they're yeah. like covering the, the, the Yeah, no, it, it really crossed the mainstream first time of anything we've done. Locally here, I, I was here a week before doing some work at our offices here um, in London and everyone was talking about it. It was in all the press I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was the topic of conversation. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, well, it, it wasn't was, back in the States as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, KSI is so big here in the UK. If you look at our population versus the US and you think, wow, he's got the same amount of viewership in both countries. But how Which big is Which is crazy, is by it? the way. That, yeah. That, that, yeah, yeah. That, that, I don't think that's ever happened before. I think he's one of the first creators to really build true mainstream status here. Oh, 100%. He, he is the most recognizable star in this country. Influencer or personality. And I include politicians. I thought Mr. Bean was like the best, <laughs> most recognizable <laughs> star. Well, if he walked down, Rowan Atkinson, yeah, maybe a certain age group might recognize him <laughs> down the street. But you can't walk, he can't go anywhere. You know, he's yeah, yeah. Like, bodyguarded up to the max now. He can't do public transport. Wait, I thought he could protect himself, you know? Come yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, well, he's in the green room right now because we, we've got a performance on the tonight. And uh, yeah, his, his bodyguards are rather big. <laughs> Whoa, wasn't there experience like after his Lamborghini song where everyone 
um, whereas Ilda recognizes Lamborghini and it became a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got to sell it? <laughs> he has sold it and he rewrapped it a couple of times. Okay, and, that's uh, so funny. He, he did get a little bit, it, it became a bit impractical for him. <laughs> well, well, okay, so first off, of um, like, like I'm always impressed when, when people are pioneers in, in their space and like being, being in the United States, uh, especially when YouTube's coming out, and, and you're seeing this opportunity, like what was the indicator for you? Like, Hey, this is a viable direction, but also not only, you know, to do it, but across the pond, like here in the UK, like when, when was that moment for you? Yeah. Um, I'll try and do a fairly short version of the story. I get asked that a lot. Um, yeah, it was about seven years ago I got into this and, uh, my background was always in sales. I was sales director of different companies in telecoms. Um, then I worked for the media giant Bertelsmann for a decade. Right. Now, um, I was sales director of their gaming division. Now, the gaming division wasn't the cool stuff. It wasn't making the games or developing games. Germans are well known for their manufacturing, right? Nuts and bolts, efficiency. And that's what we had. We had uh, plants around the world in the US, um, Brazil, obviously in Germany, which pressed discs, optical media, so <laughs> CDs, DVDs. Xbox games. So that right was the gaming industry. Yeah, so it started with laser discs, disc, discs <laughs> and vinyl, records, cassettes, and then I joined the company when it was all CD was coming in, DVD, ROM, etc. But my role was with the gaming side, so I would work with all the big publishers, the EAs, the Activisions, Microsoft, you name it. And our, my role was really just to make sure our factories were full pressing their products. So we had a capacity of 6 million discs a day around the world. Wow. And that would be anything from a Robbie Williams CD... To a, to, a, to a PC game. So my focus was on the gaming side. Um, so my background with that, you know, it was great business. Luckily, I was on the gaming side, which was very physical media. You know, I, I was there through the iTunes revolution when our, mm. our audio colleagues disappeared. The Blu-ray transition didn't go well on movies. Obviously, all the, uh, all the different platforms and box offices and Sky and, and all these things for, for, for movies really ate away that market. So it all revolved around ga the gaming business. And you just thought at some stage... Broadband speeds are going to be so fast, so readily available across the world, my business is going to disappear. So you actually had that thought. Yeah. You're like, look, look, I see where the things are happening, especially with iTunes. And you're like, okay, if I want to... I have to keep an eye out here. I, I'm yeah. at the top of my business. I can't go up my food chain anymore. I'm capped on earnings, on, on, on progression. I've got to look out for something here. Yeah. Um, and so... Just being in the gaming world, it was always, you know, I enjoyed games, but only at a time, say 10 years ago when I started having kids and not going out on a Friday night anymore, <laughs> I would play games, video games with other young dads who had babies, who were babysitting while the wives went, you know, went out on a Friday night. And it became a thing where I would play Call of Duty, still a huge franchise, mm -hmm. not number one anymore, but back then right. it was. Um, and I would use YouTube for two reasons. One, for my job, <laughs> to actually learn, you know, what are the release schedules, what titles are coming up. So when I am talking to the EAs and the Activisions, I know what their games are right, about. Right. It's like going, you know, you can't go into a field and not know what, what, what's happening because I didn't want to miss a title. I needed to know, show an interest in their business. So I'd use it as a resource, as most people did back then and still do now. But equally, I'd also watch those same videos, but mainly Call of Duty videos, <laughs> to get better at that game. So on a Friday night, I could kick the ass of these these, these thirty year old dads. Oh, I bet. <laughs> right. So uh, I used to. That's what I used to use YouTube for for those two two reasons. And so I would um, watch these tips and tricks videos and uh, of these Call of Duty, and I would notice the same couple of top creators, which. Uh, I didn't call them creators, but then they were just videos to me. I wasn't a fan of these guys. I literally was using it the content as a resource, for, yeah, purely to get better at this game. But the more you watch it, the more you engage with it, that, those creators. You realize, well, I want to keep seeing this guy's opinion on this because I, I think he's better at the game, or he's got a better valid opinion than this guy. And you start judging the channels. But anyway, there was two or three bigger channels um, uh, which covered the the the, uh, the game back then. And as it happened, I went to an E3. Was it 2011 or 2012? I was at E3 in June that year. As I went for, I've been to I think 15 E3s now and yeah. 17 games comes across <laughs> my joint career. Um, and it, as you, know, you, you you've been there yourselves, it's very very uh, business oriented. Okay, they're bringing in the, the public more now, but it was all suits and just business <laughs> deals. So I was there one year, 2011, I think it was, and uh, I was I had a meeting with Activision. I came off their stand, and I recognised one of the YouTube guys, just literally loitering around the stand. He had ripped jeans and a t-shirt, stood out like a mile. Like the rest of the people are dressed like you right now. <laughs> and uh, I saw this guy, I thought, I recognize that guy. That's the YouTube guy I learned my tips from. <laughs> um, and I was, I was thinking, how the hell, what's going on here? And I looked at his name badge. I said, no, it can't be. He hasn't got his name. But I said, yeah, it is. He's got a fake name badge. 
to get into E3 because he's not considered a journalist. <laughs> he's not considered industry. Now the guys are running those shows. Exactly. <laughs> but back then, they weren't even let in. Yeah. Because they were just kids in their bedroom making video and yep. they were not recognized. That's right. But I recognized this guy and I saw him. And I said, hey, you're, you're, his name was X Jaws. He won't mind me saying. He's not a YouTuber anymore. He ended up working on social media with Justin Bieber and going on different directions and you know, spreading out. But he's not a, he didn't want to be a YouTuber. He, he, he was in that really early stage where he got a lot of heat, a lot of, oh, you're just a, you know, a geek in your bedroom right. and, and you're making videos. Get out of your mom's basement sport. type thing. Yeah. So that, I think that got to him a little bit. And it was never his ambition. He loved gaming. And we just got chatting. And all he wanted to talk about was all the, you know, what's going on at the E3 and the, the games industry. And we chatted and chatted. And he was like, wow, can, I, can we swap Skype details? Because I'd love to learn more about the industry because I don't know anything about behind the scenes with gaming. I'm in the industry. All I do is play the games and make videos. I said, yeah, sure. I thought he was just being nice. I didn't expect to hear from him. <clears throat> but as we swapped uh, Skype details on my phone, I picked my phone up like this, and he noticed I had an iPhone case on the back of it. It was a Call of Duty iPhone case. I'd just been given it in, right, right. On, on the stand. It's worth like two bucks. <laughs> um, but it was an E3 exclusive iPhone <laughs> And he saw it. He goes, How, where do you get one of those? I said, oh, Activision game. He goes, they never gave me one. I said, well, I've got a spare one in my bag if you want. Oh, yeah. Bag. He's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be brilliant. I was trying to wonder why he cared so much. But then it, it, obviously it was because it was a Call of Duty item. And he wanted to show it off to his, his Call of Duty fan base of him being at E3. None of you guys are. No other creators are. I'm the one guy who's got in through the door here. Yep. And he had got a fake pass. Um, he'd got it through his, uh, his machinima network, actually. Uh, one of their employees gave it him. Something That's crazy. Like that. um, so we, we started chatting and we swapped. And um, he said, oh, what's your Twitter? I said, why do you want my Twitter? He said, oh, I want to thank you for the iPhone case. I said, I don't know if I have it. I think I have a Twitter. <laughs> you know, right? what, what is a Twitter? Yeah, what is a Twitter? <laughs> I, I think everyone had one, but they didn't really use it. And, well, I didn't use it. I think I had one follower, maybe my wife. I literally didn't use it. I don't think I'd ever posted. But anyway, he, he, he tagged me in a, in a tweet. And thanking me for the iPhone case with a post, and he put hashtag E3 2011 or whatever it was. And I went from one to 601 or 701 followers within wow. like minutes, like a few hours maybe. And I thought, what the hell's going on here? This guy, suddenly people are following me for what reason? Because everyone wanted one of the freaking iPhone cases. That's right. <laughs> Where do I get one? Right. How has X-Jaws got one? Where can I buy one? You can't buy one. Yeah. You know, but I'll, give, I'll get a few for X-Jaws to give giveaways if you want, or t-shirts or whatever, because I know the publishers. Um, and so it was really mad to see that sort of uh, community. And of the people that followed me there, it, I noticed some of them were YouTubers. So I started following them and not just going on YouTube, following them and that, what they were doing, where keeping on top of their uploads and things like that, just for my own interest in the game Call of Duty. Um, and so that was really crazy. So anyway, I had to rush off from meeting. He was walking across the, uh, the, uh, one of the halls to, to meet a guy with a, I remember it vividly. There was a guy like sheepishly stood in the corner of the E3 with a rucksack. I said, are you going for a meeting? Who are you going to see? Like none of the big exhibitors. Right, right. No, just this guy with a rucksack in the corner of the screen. I said, oh, well, cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll hopefully, I'll hopefully hear from you soon. And he walked off. And then anyway, I was back home the following week and I was, I was on YouTube and I was on his channel watching a Call of Duty videos and popped up a video from E3. I said, oh, that's cool. Let's see what he got up to at E3. Nothing. <laughs> he literally, there's a bit of him vlogging, walking around, but the majority of the video is him doing an unboxing video. Now it was an unboxing video of a new product, which was, that was given to him by that guy with the rucksack in the corner. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And they won't mind me mentioning, it was a brand new company called Scuff Gaming. Now, Scuff huh. Gaming are the biggest custom controller company in the world. All the major esports teams in the world use their peripherals and their products. It's a controller which has enhanced technology, they say. You know, it's got extra buttons and functionality to improve your, your speed of reaction, which is really important in a game right. like Call of Duty. So I saw this video. I think it got like four or 500,000 views, which back then was huge. Huh. Uh, he was on like 800,000 subscribers. As far as I'm aware, I think he was the top subscribed YouTube channel at that time. Um, game, um, game gaming, 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 sorry. Yeah. gaming channel. Ryan Higger. Yeah, yeah. Forget, forget <laughs> the originals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I meant gaming. Um, so he certainly the biggest Call of Duty channel, <laughs> which was the biggest game, hence the biggest gaming channel. Um, so I saw this, and I and uh, he hit, hit me up just randomly on Skype. Hey, lovely to meet you. I just found your your details. It'd be lovely to chat to you about you know some commentary or stuff for for my channel. Not for me being on it, just to help him, you know, uh, get an insight into things. I think he also wanted a few more freebies from from games publishers as well, which I that's usually the out. case. People want uh, a free handout. <laughs> well, I said to him, "That's cool." I said, "Well, by the way, can you hook me up with one of these controllers, uh, these scuff controllers?" And I said to him, "By the way, I saw that video. Great video. 
the video is him in the stairwell of E3 with a put you up desk and he put these three controllers on the desk and he talked about it and he, he reviewed these, this amazing new product. And believe me, that company took off overnight. Oh, wow. Like sure. overnight. Uh, everyone saw this and thought, wow, I can get an advantage in the game, which is the biggest game in the world. Imagine that happening now with Fortnite. It was the same oh, thing. Oh, absolutely. And, and so he hooked me up with Scuff, Duncan, the owner of Scuff. Uh, who'd be a great chat, actually. You should, you should talk to him. He's seen the sort of esports sure. world develop and they've been uh, key to it. And so he hooked me up with one and then we hooked up and arranged Sam to get an affiliate deal of sales from, from that video because I said to him, did you get paid for, the, for that video? It's incredible. Everyone in the world's talking about this. He went, no, I didn't get paid for it. They let me keep the controller. And I thought to myself... <laughs> Hmm. That, that was not a good deal. That, that was not a good deal. That's where the dollar signs are <laughs> <Yeah>. going. <laughs> I thought that's not a good deal. I, I did feel I could have walked him around E3 for two days and introduced him to all these publishers and yeah. conference companies and done more little scuff deals. They, they, they on might a not, not, no, I've not even known the value back then. And they didn't. There's a lot of selling that had to happen back then. Absolutely. And so this was the start of that. And so I didn't do anything then at E3, but a couple months later was Gamescom, which is right. the next big, big show. And on the back of all these guys who are following me then on the call, on the Twitter, uh, on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it went from Twitter, like, I don't know what this is, the Twitter. So to the Twitter. The Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. So, 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 so of, of the people who follow me, one was now the, big, the, the most watched YouTube gaming channel in the world last year, Ali A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was the man in Call of Duty then. Such yeah. a good person. YouTube, not on yeah. Twitch, like Ninja, but on t- YouTube, he beat Ninja on views last year on, on, on YouTube. So he's a number one on YouTube. And so I, he followed me from that, that iPhone case tweet. And he was, you could see him actively on Twitter because then I started following these guys. They're all saying, well, how do I get to play the game early? How do I, when's the next chance? When are these conventions? Who gets to go to them? And yeah. people were chatting. So I just popped in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> I, I work at Bertelsmann. We, we, uh, we exhibit at Gamescom. Do you yeah. want some VIP tickets? That's how what? you did it. <laughs> <laughs> do you want some passes? What? Yeah. I, I said, yeah, EasyJet flight costs 50 quid from England to, to, to Cologne. Okay, so first uh, off, it was the, the iPhone cases, and then I was like, hey, yeah. I got VIP passes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, no, because it was a big deal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, once we started taking gamers to E3, they were never invited before. Yeah. And they would give the brand so much love because mm-hmm. they appreciated being able to have a voice and to be able to be there and experience the event. Yeah. Yeah. So... Ali, there was no ulterior motive. I wasn't thinking agent or anything like that at that yeah. time. I did do a few little things for XJaws just to just test the water a bit. And I, I helped him <laughs> with a couple of sponsorships, uh, really, really low key ones. Elgato was one of the, the first, he was their first sponsor. He, they, they sponsor all of our guys now. Um, I think I helped him with a headset deal as well. Just, just small, like, you know, a couple of grand deals here and there. And anyway, so I wasn't thinking, oh, yeah, I just was enjoying being part of this Call of Duty community because that was my game on a Friday night with my, da- my dad's. My, my dad mates. And so it was like, you know, I'm loving the fact that I'm engaging with these guys. And you can see then why people hook onto these guys. Now, I was older than them. I was not a, a young fanboy or anything like that. But I could still see how you engage and, and can relate to these incredible people who are on your screen, you know, every, every day or whatever, watching their videos. So I just was just keen to meet Ali and just have a chat. And I just, because I could, I was in the right place. It was easy for me. Yeah, come and come and get some passes. And so then the next thing was, let's talk to Activision. Make sure he gets a front of queue pass because you've been to these things, right? If you're just right. in the public, you don't get to play it. Like, right. So we got him a, a ban from Activision. I talked to them about. They were aware of the YouTubers. They didn't really care about them at the time. Um, they were in, starting to, to work in the esports thing and the competitive scene, but they, they didn't really value the YouTube scene at that point. They right. did very soon after. But then they were quite happy. They were they were great, and they 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 gave him uh, an, a three day, basically a pass all access pass on their stand. Oh, wow. He sat and played the, the, the current Call of Duty, which was due out that, uh, that fall, all day, every day for three days. And he was in an absolute element. He couldn't believe it. And in between that, I'd occasionally, in between my own business meetings, come and say hi and play a little bit myself in the lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'd walk around. I like I, how you say it, the lunch break and your eyes like... Yeah, <laughs> right. That extended lunch break. Shh, Bertelsmann. <laughs> uh, but no, so we, we, we'd hang out a little bit there and we'd talk about And I, I introduced him to people I knew in the industry as I was just walking around, like some of them were, were gaming companies and they liked him just explaining who he was and what he was doing there. And I found myself selling the guy to these people who wouldn't have ever considered who a YouTuber was or right. rather than just a 16, 17-year-old kid in the bedroom, whatever it was. 
making videos, how can they be of any value to me? And so I just thought, well, I've got a bit of a position here in this industry. And I just started on my own, just talking to people generally. Anyway, by the end of the week at Gamescom, this is when it hit me. I've already had the wake-up call with the, the X-Jaws tweet, tweet, the, tweet right. the Twitter, and, uh, and obviously that side of things. And then suddenly, I saw so Ali was walking out. He was just, he'd never been to an event like this before. And he, he looked at me and he goes, wow, there's so much opportunity here. He looked at me, he goes, I need an agent. He literally said those words, <laughs> I need an agent. He was joking a little bit, but then I thought to myself, that, that's it. <laughs> I can, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, right place, right time. Come to the, not, well, probably to the end of that, not, I mean, I could have carried on till now and that other job just on, but, it, you know, I was always quite an ambitious person. You know, you, you need So to, you went all in then? I went all in, yeah. Like you literally later. just said, okay, I'm done with my job yeah. and I'm going for this. Yeah, well, obviously oh, wow. in my spare time, I built it up. I built up my LinkedIn connections. A uh, little black book came out, yep. sort of reached out. Just, I needed to test the market, of course, a little bit with a few things. And within a month, we had a, uh, a three-year Ali A Monster Energy deal. Oh, we wow. had an Alienware annual sponsorship for him, all the peripherals. I thought, even that, with now he's fully loaded for the time being, even that's enough to leave now. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, you know, and then at that point, it's like, I'm off. So oh, if there's, it was, it was, oh, go ahead. I was going to say one thing like, if, if there's one, one aspect of this industry that I'm really, really fascinated is is gaming. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're able to see a side of gaming that most people don't see. Yeah. Uh, and you were able to see it age and transform. Yeah. And what I find fascinating is what you were able to do is like you've been able to go to what you said, 15 E3s yeah, yeah. and really yeah. see the, the, uh, the industry develop. Yeah. And the point, I mean, you were right at a pivotal point because the, the biggest thing where I truly believe where games truly exploded was, you know, introducing these influencers. They got people interested in buying the game exactly. and then the strategy clicked for them. And I think the gaming industry actually adopted the, the newfound influencer faster yep. than what traditional mm -hmm. brands have done. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no, I, I remember, you know, those early days and, yeah. and I remember right when you came into this scene because... Before that, we would be like having little messages. I mean, what would happen is I'd talk to Allier or I'd talk to like Vic Star, the people that, you know, you represent a whole load of them now, um, where we'd like just, you know, hit them up and talk to them on Skype. And, and they were just seriously game for anything yeah. back then. And you really <laughs> brought a lot of sophistication to the table to yeah. help them build their businesses and value. But I think a couple of things were happening in, in entertainment. One, this is where gaming started to soar. But it was also, you know, a lack of what people wanted to watch. And, and when, when gamers first came out onto YouTube and, and, and started creating this, you know, streaming content of them just reacting to the games that they're playing or giving tips and advice, it, it got a lot of, you know, a lot of people that were already in the industry looked down upon it. Mm. But really what was happening is TV wasn't able to supply this demand for content around right. gaming. They, they, they tried to, but everything. it wasn't the forum. Like they, yeah. they had a couple channels that were designated for yeah. it, you know. But it's like it wasn't the right format. It no. just really, really wasn't the right format. No, and, and the gaming journalists who used to, you know, basically run E3 and be the only outlet, they were the ones under threat. And look at them now. I yeah, mean, it, I mean, and you, they could see it coming, and they really talked down upon, you right. know, oh, the integrity of the creators. And that's what we added, or as even well. brands working with the creators. Exactly, was, it had was a to big be deal back then. Exactly, but we, it was all done in the right possible way to protect the creator. And it is even more so now because they are in such demand. There is such a path you can go to. They're, Absolutely. And, I mean, the, the top guys know how to manage their audience and what to not do and to do. But, you know, you have to translate that to, to brands and educate them to, to know he's not going to do that for any money because it's not going to fit with his brand anymore. Yeah. And, and, right. I, and I truly find fascinating um, this story for sure, but it's like the publishers of the, of the games, mm. you know, the ones that actually jumped on and says, Hey, this is an opportunity. Let's, let's not be afraid of let people show gameplay. Yeah. Cause like that was a, like sacred territory to oh, show gameplay. Still not there, you, know? Uh, yeah. you know, and it was like super sacred territory. And it's like the brands and the, the publishers that went on board, they're the, they're the ones that saw their sales skyrocket, yeah. you know? And it, I know that you guys probably won't be able to talk about this, but it's like, for me, one of the things was like Nintendo, like they, they're like, no, 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 we want to own everything. We want to be able to protect this and so yeah. on and so forth. And it wasn't just as of late. They're like, okay, now let's open it up. Yeah, no, Nintendo certainly are still behind, you know, with, with the, the Japanese headquarters, the way they still, you know, claim mm -hmm. a lot of videos. They, yeah, they're not, they could do so much more. 
Um, they are supportive on certain projects and brands, Pokemon Go, things like that. Exactly. They, they involve the creators, but in general, no, not at all. Um, one of the, big, the biggest advocates and supporters of the business and the industry early on in terms of games publishers was a company you know real well, Ubisoft. Yeah, they were, they were the first. They were, they were probably the first, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there were other, other publishers dipping in, the EAs, and, and then other, other, others. Activision took a long time before they really Yeah, Activision was kind of set in their ways for... Yeah, right. I mean, even now, now they're not, but they've, they've well, they learned a little bit too late. I'm not saying it's because of that, but they've learned a little bit late, on, even on Call of Duty, and they've been overtaken, haven't they? Yeah, you know, yeah. Look at yeah. Fortnite and things. And I'm not going to go into the ins and outs, but they still assume someone like Ali would love to come to their events and capture... What, he hasn't got time. He's, yeah. got, he's got videos to do. He's got brands. He's making a TV show. He's got a book to write. Yeah, well, exactly. He's not about that anymore. And but, it's but, actually, it's one of those things though, where, where there has been like a divide um, in this industry. And it's whether, is it PR or is it media yeah. or, 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 you know, you know, content that you can scale with. Yeah. And there were companies that went down the route saying, no, we're going to see this as PR. We're going to get everything for free. It's your privilege to work with us, not us working with you. And those were the brands that screwed up and they're now really far behind because they could never manage deadlines when it came to working with influencers and creators. There's no obligation, there's no contract, there's no payment. They they could could never have the responsibility. Exactly. They could never make sure that the things that they knew that sold the game were going to be mentioned. Mm. And, and, and is a huge miss that a, a big chunk of them have missed. And now they're all starting to slowly crawl back and try to figure out how yep. to do it because a lot of them have lost, lost relevance. You know, you have like the Ubisofts and the EAs that have been very innovative in the space that took lead because they did it first. And they also learned how to work with the creators in a way that didn't really yep. piss off the audience, but it empowered the content. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Liam, I got a question for you. Cause it's like, for me, I have some assumptions of the future of how entertainment is. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that, that EA, not EA, um, esports is just going to just take over everything. I, I really do. I think that there's some elements of it from your, from your knowledge and your experience in the industry and how you've connected with creators and seeing that, do you see it happening at a faster pace where EA sports are going to double or triple the amount of exposure? Or do you think they're kind of in an awkward period of plateau? I, I still, I'm not clear on esports. I'm not. And then the reason being is it's not necessarily, apart from certain top teams, it's not purely personality led. Yeah. People are fans of the teams, not the players. Yeah. That's the difference. And, and don't forget, esports is, is the upper echelon. It's the niche, small percentage of high-end game professionals. Yeah. YouTubers aren't gaming professionals. They're very good. Right. But they, they command the mass audience. So when you have the top YouTube guys they've got to somehow harness them in the same way as a games publisher would to play the game to bring that audience over. So I, I do believe the next iteration is, and I, and I see where you're going with this. It's like the next iteration is the minor leagues or the local leagues. And, and I think that right there, I think we're going to see a lot more. I know that there's a lot of interesting IPs that are, you know, popping up right now that are trying to take the esports, uh, you know, psychology and everything that's there, but take it on a local level yeah. where you can actually have city teams and national teams yeah, and stuff well, like I that. I mean, it's all, it's been there for a long time. You know, there's leagues, there's in the UK, mm-hmm. we have Gfinity, they do online tournaments, they do live tournaments and then you pull together and then you maybe get an influencer along to, to do some meet and greets and actually get people to fill up the stadium. <laughs> true, so that, that's, true. that's exactly what's and, been happening. And, and there's, there's one coming up, which our friend Ali again, he's declined because he's not in that scene anymore. Yeah. And actually when he's been to ones before, the real key, um, the sort of niche hardcore esport fan doesn't appreciate a YouTube influencer. I use the word influencer, YouTube personality mm-hmm. coming along and being the star attraction. Sure. There's a lot of hate, not hatred, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a Is wall. it kind of a disconnect? There's a disconnect. And that's where things need to cross over. And what is the interest of the YouTuber to drive their traffic? To esport, what, how do they benefit apart from being paid to do it as a one-off thing or being an ambassador in, in a role? Um, right. And then is it really of their interest? Yeah. So, right. in terms of that, that, that they need to answer that that equation. Equally, you might say, well, that we don't need that. The esports is growing on its own accord, and it's going to, you know, exponentially grow anyway, regardless. And it may well do. How then that translates to branding? It's just at the moment, it's just badging. It's like the boxing. It's just the, the event itself is just logos on a ring on a ad board on the ad, you know it that's all it is the the real branding and the real 
finances come behind when you're actually making content with the creator. So take the boxing again. It's sponsoring KSI and his journey to the event is way more valuable than him just having a logo here or then sitting on the on the on the on the, the canvas. Because just that's just a, that's just a video, isn't it? Right. That's just the equivalent of a KSI video. Um, so it's the same with East. I see these teams; they're badged up to the max. I mean, some of them are making strides in terms of streaming and on, on YouTube. You've got the optic guys in Call of Duty who I don't know fairly and, well. And I, I think and maybe the way I look at it too, it's like, yeah, the, the, there's the badging and that's been overdone and in the sports world. Mm-hmm. But then too, it's like, is there ways to integrate the content? Because yeah. like, like there are uh, companies uh, that sell homes that are now sponsoring teams so they can actually house them all together yeah. and then they can start creating content in one place instead mm-hmm. of being spread apart all over the, the place. I think right now it's a buzzword. Yeah. Like you have a Everyone lot wants of, a piece of it, but mm-hmm. doesn't know how to know what, if, what yes. it is. It, it's still the wild, wild west um, when it comes to esports, and, and, and it's, it's becoming mainstream mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's going to get bigger and bigger, but there's a lot of brands out there that are outside of gaming. They're all like, okay, I want to be in esports. That's what I want to do. Yeah. But they don't know what the hell's going on with distribution yeah. or like how to get views and, and how to really engage mm-hmm. with those audiences. And I think what's going to happen, um, similar to what you just said, I think there, there's going to be a lot of creators that want to diversify their revenue and they're going to have teams. So you have Ninja. Yeah. He has a professional team. You have a Sean Duras. Right. He has a professional yeah. team. And I think that's going to happen a lot more. And there's going to be a bigger demand to have, you know, documentation and, and, and content around those teams yeah. and have them become more um, as a form of entertainment. But be, yeah. when it comes to gaming content, 95% of that content is, you know, um, influence or, or um, gaming creators and influencers. Yeah. That's where all the content it, is. Exactly. And they're building up the momentum. They're like, okay, we're, you know. Esports will this. not thrive until the two are together and, yep. and then merge together. Where and 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 that's going to be you know having someone like a ninja become a, a competitive player, which you know he is, but um, but also you know having you know influencers invest into the e games yeah. and the esports. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, even KSI just seeing Drake investing in yeah, you know the, the hundred thieves guys with nature, all that mm-hmm. going goes goes. Do you think I should invest or you know in, in a team? <laughs> I'm like. No, I don't really. Th- I don't know if you should. I mean, you can do it. You know, yes, you've oh, got a bit of a paycheck. I, I've been and- looking to invest. I'm trying to find a team right now. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I really am because hey, I, I, there's I so play, much money. I mean, it's, I play it's, a it's, mean yeah. game of Mario, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like seriously. Well, yeah. No, I, I, I'm always because like there's so much talent out there. I think I think there's a lot of money to be made. Yeah. Um, tell us more about your business and how you grew it. Because yeah. I feel like that's a very inspiring story. Yeah. So you you started working with Ali A, mm-hmm. and then you worked with KSI, yeah. and then all the sidemen. Want to tell us how that evolved, and yeah. and then let us know like what happened. What was the outcome? Jeez. Um, yeah, you're right. We talked a lot about gaming here, but our 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 roster, our talent, they're not just gamers. They are purely they're great widespread influencers of lifestyle, of sport, of of gaming, of tech, of fashion, whatever it be. They are icons in the, they're the modern mainstream that's what they are the modern mainstream celebrity now the right. really top guy so they, they've transcended gaming and in even the likes of certainly ksi you know it was about a month after we we, we started working with ali we got in, we, we met him at the next convention and chat and he saw what we were doing with ali and he's obviously hey i want a piece of this but but we went off on a completely different tangent and you know my background don't forget wasn't it was I knew the gaming was sales, but it was yeah. sales. Yeah. It was doing deals. It was, it was business structures. And so it, that's what came into play. Which was an there. advantage for you because <laughs> that's, because that's really new to Hollywood and entertainment yeah. to have somebody that actually has a sales background and figures out, okay, instead of waiting for business to come in, I'm going to go, go out there and, and build hustle. business. Yep. Exactly. And it was a case of, okay, we've got a few guys to focus on here. Those two names in particular, what do they want to do? Uh, Ali was purely <laughs> gaming and, and he's a brand golden boy because he's so, uh, you know, well-spoken, clean-cut, child, uh, family-friendly. And, you know, so he obviously had a great attraction to brands, but you know, we, turned, we turned down 95% of these brands because it has to be an interest of fit and something he would actually use. And that's why, you know, we went down those routes with him and protecting that image. And with right. that said, our, my team at you least find it quite hard, five, <laughs> five, five deals to do a year with him, which I'm very proud of. Because <laughs> he's becoming more and more picky. Yeah, he, he, well, he has been for a while. He's a busy guy, you know. Right, so, right. You know, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, just to jump to the end of where we are now, I'll come back to your question. But, you know, just take him, for example. You, people still would think, oh, he's a Fortnite guy. He's, he's a gamer. That's all he does. No. 
He's just been nominated for an International Emmy Award for his first TV presenter show, yeah. his own show. Yeah. He's had a you know, he's number started- one selling book. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's you know, it, that's nothing to do with gaming. Yes, it's, it's, and he's always done a variety of games from yeah. Call of Duty to Not Minecraft. Not so much now, yeah. but obviously he has these other yeah. peripheral things. But then that takes you to KSI on a whole different level of, of entertainment, of, you know, music, chart-topping albums. He's obviously boxing. <laughs> You know, whatever he wants to do, it's like, okay, well, let's do it. But someone like that, he is all or nothing. You yeah. can't do a brand deal with him. It doesn't matter what you pay unless it's absolutely perfect and, yep. and it fits, um, which is great integrity for him. And, and that's just the way it is. Um, and then equally, you know, you just got to get the built buy-in of, of that journey. So he's got a wonderful sponsor at the moment, Foot Asylum, who who is a, he's a big fan of their brand. They're a leading apparel sports um, retailer in the UK. Great, all all of his. It's a perfect fit match where his audience. You know, this is they they spend their Saturday afternoons hanging out in these stores, getting the new trainers, the new gear, and he's now, he, they now sponsor him, and they did his right. whole journey of boxing from you know obviously kitting him out with all the latest and greatest right. gear, but equally making content for their channels, which they grew and started off the back of KSI's audience. And now they have their own social platform. They have their own Instagram stories. They have their own YouTube channel where they're making content featuring him. So it's all about, yes, he's got to wear stuff exclusively <laughs> over competitive, but he equally is just doing cool stuff with them, which just makes their brand look fun. So he, I got to ask this because it's like when you go the gaming route, you had a little black book that you mentioned, yeah. you know, and you're building up that profile. How do you even go a completely yeah, separate no, direction? I literally just thought who, which brands would fit these guys. I went down those energy drinks brands. I went down all the tech brands. KSI took me down the sport brands as well because he did FIFA and, and the soccer and then the side men. And you're just like reaching out on LinkedIn or how Lit- are you getting yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, literally LinkedIn, Googling them, literally on the phone. I was cold calling. Yeah. That's what I, 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 hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, no, it was a quite a good I got a guy on these YouTubes. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, yeah. no. You ever heard of KSI? No? Sorry. <laughs> well, well, this is the thing about Liam, I, I mean, especially those early days. I and mean, even today, if it's, if you're in Los Angeles and he's in London and it's end of day Los Angeles time where it's like, like, like four like, o'clock in the morning, he will wake up and join a call. I mean, all the time. Probably like, still awake. All, 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 <laughs> all, always hustling, always getting stuff done. Yeah. Um, you you built your business to a point where you sold it. Want to tell us yeah. about that and like how you sold it and like what what inspired that decision? This was my first business. I've always worked for big multinationals and being that court, sort of corporate guy. Um, and I wanted out of that. Hence why we did this in the first place. Right. Um. Yeah. I sold uh, OP to Endemol Endemol Shine Group. Oh wow. Yeah, huge, I didn't know a TV company, right? Yeah. A TV production company, which seems really odd because not many of our guys want to be on TV. They're their right. own broadcasters. Um, but there's placements in TV. Obviously, like Ali's show and, and a few things JJ and other guys have done. And we're always in talking about production, but th- these TV things don't tend to happen because there's not as much money in it as there would be if these guys just spent that entire month <laughs> working on YouTube videos. Um, but how did it come about? Well, we we worked with um, Endemol um, on their digital content and a few YouTube channels, a gaming show um, and an active sports channel we placed KSI for called Rulem Sports, which was him just going out trying these mad sports with with sports stars and just adding comedy to it and him just pretending he's not very good at it. And just, <laughs> just flapping now he's a pretty good athlete, but back then he wasn't. <laughs> um, so no, we, so we knew them and we'd worked on a, and they'd done a few sort of brand placements on here and there and a few TV things as well. So we knew them pretty well. How did it come about and why do we sell? Well, it was three years ago, which is a long time ago in this industry. And a lot of people, oh, yeah. and even myself, look at it now and I go, shit, that was really early to do this. <laughs> but it's a deal or no deal thing, right? You know, right. TV show, it's a case of, who knew three years ago where we'd be now? I had an inkling and a hope, but I also thought, well, I need to scale in terms of not just the, the reputation of a business, of a, you know, a one-man band, you know, a company like that with their resource, their legal, their PR, their, all that, those, their finance, it's there ready-made. I haven't got to go and recruit that. So that's great. That's there. We're now plugged into an incredible beast, which would be very supportive. So that was a real positive to scaling rather than doing it personally. I'd never, never run a business myself before, so I didn't have that mm-hmm. now of how to do that properly. I didn't have the contacts in, in, in legal, in finance, in HR to build my own business. And I felt, well, I don't have time to do that because I'm working 24-7 with these guys. So that was one thing. It was a quick fast track to big business status. Not that we've built the business in terms of signing masses and masses of talent. Um, you know, we could sell, sign hundreds of talent. You know, every week I'm getting tens of YouTubers. Oh, please check my channel out. Oh, you know, I see what you do. You, we, everyone regards OP Talent in the space as the top guys, particularly in the UK, and everyone wants to work with us. But 
it doesn't matter to me if we have a thousand creators or the 23 we have. Now, 23 doesn't sound a lot in the, in the size of YouTube, but that means- But they're that we, massive creators. They're Those massive creators. Yeah. And we like to feed them. Yeah. You know, you know, if we double the, we could have twice the amount of creators, twice the amount of, of staff or talent managers and project managers, but not necessarily do any more business because people can only do so much anyway. So we only we only uh, sign talent which we really we like we've met or it's it's a little bit of a networking thing like it's gone from one one guy who knew his pal who knew the friends and it's gone a little bit like that in the UK it's very into, everybody knows each other in the UK community pretty well it's quite a small tight knit right. industry it's a little bit more you know broken up in the US so I I would have found it a little harder that way but yeah so no so selling to them was just it was them at the right time you know I definitely you know if we were selling now it would be worth, the business is worth a whole lot more. But it doesn't matter. You take these opportunities. And, yeah. and, and for me at the time, Creates more not growth. to go into personal reasons and family, it was, it, it was pretty much needed to help my well, family. Well, I, I look at it this way. Yes, it could have been, you could have made a lot more money if you would have held out. But the, the could, reality is, away. It, exactly. You, you could have literally lost everything because you weren't able to, uh, to yeah. take care of the needs yeah. of the time. Yeah. And you saw the writing on the wall in a couple of key areas yeah. where you didn't have a lot of experience. So yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting, but I don't know. I find it, I, I find it fascinating um, that first off that you're able to, to pivot and going to a completely different vertical and to yeah. build that and you hustled to do that. But do you feel like you can kind of see the pulse of what's happening you know, in the U.S. and then know that you have a couple months or a year to get things adjusted here? Do you kind of look at those trends or is it is it hitting at the same time? Yeah, I mean, if you look at our creators, they're the biggest in the U.K. mainly, but they've all got, apart from some, which are just crazy big in the U.K., they've all got massive U.S. audience. In yeah, fact, bigger. They're some of the biggest in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ali, uh, in fact, right now we, we manage, um, uh, if we go back to gaming, one of our guys, Jelly, who's just hit 11 million subscribers, for the last eight weeks in a row, he's been the most viewed gaming channel in the US. Oh, crazy. He lives in Monaco and Spain and Holland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, successful guy. Good tax haven. <laughs> Monaco, yeah. So That's right. Say, so what's, who's your new account? No, we were saying, we need to set you up like proper tax and finance again. Our finance guys are pretty hot. And they're like, oh, so who's your new account over there? He goes, I don't need one anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's me. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, Shit. it's called Monaco. Why don't we all live there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so but he is the biggest in the US, but he's... You know, Dutch speaking English, yeah, oh, English speaking Dutchman, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we are in touch. The, the internet is global. It doesn't matter what goes in the US, and it's, it happens in the UK. This is the beauty of what we do, right? So it's uh, yeah, absolutely. And as long as you're prepared to work on those hours, which I end up doing, like you say, then then you're fine. You can cope. Yeah, you being just very specialized and f and staying focused is really what I think made you successful. I mean, of, of course, I'm working hard. Yeah. I mean, because you have the biggest, you know, talent agency when it comes to creators and YouTubers in the UK. Mm -hmm. That's also the most profitable. And and that's that's just something to be very, that's just, that's very impressive, mm -hmm. especially with, you know, I mean, how long this industry has been around. It's been, you know, I mean, probably a decade, a little over a decade, and you came in and you just, like, surpassed everyone. When all the MCNs were pissing off all their talent, yeah. <laughs> they just kept yeah. growing faster and <laughs> yeah. faster and faster. Yeah. Um, so there's always controversy um, in the news around creators and influencers. And, you know, some of your talent has had controversy. How do you deal with that as a manager, as an, as, as also as an agent? Like, what do you do like during those hard times to make it so everyone has good morale and you keep pushing ahead? I mean, you're talking about KSI here, aren't you? Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, it, we yeah, don't know. You represent 23 people. I mean, it could be yeah, any of them. <laughs> it could be. No, you're talking about him, right? Um, no, you just literally, you have to back your guy. And, you know, I think ultimately when, if, you know, it was six, five, six years ago when JJ went through a few issues with content and uh, right. it was only because he was so becoming so successful. And he was he was such a threat to the, the mainstream and the journalistic world. It, they were the people who were po poking fi fingers at him. But equally, it was he was a young kid on YouTube when these things he did, slightly dodgy content here, a little bit thoughtless here, misogynistic there. This was a 17-year-old boy before he was famous. Right. Now, I know everyone p picks and looks at old people's tweets and bits and pieces. He, he doesn't really have much of that. Uh, if it, he might, Something might come out, but it, it's always been in the KSI character. So he, he's known as JJ to us and his friends. He built this character, um, which was an outlandish character, 
Um, you've met him. He's the loveliest mm-hmm. guy. He's got more time Super for his kind. fans. He's an absolute gem of a guy. And, and therefore, you're going to back the guy because he's genuinely, awesomely lovely. And, and, and that's right. fair. He's, he's a wonderful guy. So when these things happen to you, you, you basically, yeah, you just got to get around them and protect them and, and try and put it in perspective to the, the, the finger pointers that this is, this is insignificant. And, you know, you put the messaging out, like, well, this is him now. That was that then. But that's really, you don't go, you don't be rude and say, well, that's bullshit. That's nothing. Let's right. ignore that. You can't brush it on the table. You have to action it and, and, and appreciate it. And as long as you know JJ accepts it and JJ knows what happened and he learns from it, then you can totally get behind him. You know, if yeah. he goes, screw it, I don't care. And I and does it again. You know, sometimes he has, people have slips, <laughs> but, you know, you know, deep down, that's not, you know, he's not this guy and you just got to back these guys for the long term. Yeah. You know, it's. So that sense of loyalty is like being lost. I feel like in, in the world of business, like people are like, Oh no, I'm going to go with whatever is most popular or whatever. Right. Um, so very like to be commended on that one for sure. Um, my, my question though is have you learned anything from these creators? I mean, you're working with 23, some of the most talented creators in the world. Have you learned anything from them that made you better at your craft in selling? And, and marketing these people? Have I learned from them? I, I, wait, you just you just get mesmerized by the variety of their, their talents. And, you know, obviously, you know, we're talking about JJ again, the way he died, you know, whatever he does, he does it to the to the max, whether it is music, whether it is YouTube, whether it is sport, whether it is boxing, whatever it be. And all you can do is just stand, you don't stand back, you go along with it and you just, you just got to help him amplify it and put, set those roots down to protect him. And you just basically, with a guy like that who knows what he wants and goes and gets it, you've just basically got to go around along with the ride as a, like, protect him and bubble wrap and that's it. You know, he, you, if, you, if you direct him in the right direction and you support it and help him monetize in those areas, it's a great ride. So you're learning as you're going along. Like, uh, you know, you take the boxing. I know we've talked about it a lot already, but, you know, the people I'm rubbing shoulders with in boxing, I know, you know, Espinosa at Showtime, Eddie Hearn in, in yeah. that, these guys are inviting me ringside to these these fights because they they don't know what they want out of the space, but they know they want to be involved with it because yeah, they're they're just, like, this looks really cool. So how do these guys do a million pay per view buys <laughs> and these guys don't even fight? You know, how how do we get a piece of this? Were there any well, we don't need broken? them because we don't need promoters because the, the YouTubers are the promoters. Are the promoters you don't themselves. need a promoter yeah. as long as we can uh, you know set up the, the the content and the the, the strategy and the you know the distribution properly and, and obviously the deals to to, to monetize that you know who needs a promoter you know you're saying about again the wwe this is why these guys are popular they are sales guys they don't know it and they don't mean to be it but they are just personal they understand they're entertaining and they understand (laughs) Um, the storyline for sure exactly so they are the promoters and you're not paying for promotional value i mean just look at the stats on the box even before the logan jj fight the joe weller ksi fight this is what started it all it's all this is all joe right. weller's fault <laughs> who we manage as well by the way so that was a tricky <laughs> okay. so this is like an internal yeah, thing that was like, a real hey, i literally about, just lift like, those guys for six months yeah. and just like okay i'll turn up on the night and make sure it works all right <laughs> and, and, and the stream's working um i forget what i was saying about joe so i'll start with the joe weller fight oh yeah so the, so the numbers so you look at the marketing behind it and the promotion etc so these guys just promote it themselves on the YouTube, on their channels with some content, some trailers, whatever it be. The stream for the, the concurrent viewers for Joe Weller versus KSI was the second highest concurrent stream in the history of YouTube. So the first one was Red Bull. Who spent $65 million exactly. on <laughs> to jump from the moon or whatever. And the other one was two guys that like record themselves doing things that were promoting themselves. Each other. The oh only, my gosh. The only, the only time anyone has ever beaten our fight in that fight was because they had $65 million spent to tell everyone about it. That is crazy. That's amazing. Were there other records that were broken? Because I know, I know the boxing community- Well, it's the most just... watched white-collar boxing. I mean, of okay. course it was. Okay. Um, the, the, the streaming record for, for the Joe fight. Obviously, it was the very first pay-per-view sporting event of its kind. And it's probably- YouTubers. Yes, there's been sporting events on YouTube. There's been other boxing matches on a low level. That they, the platform has is there, but- I mean, it's just... It, it probably broke I think the it's record more, of the most, you know, the most pirated live yeah, stream. Yeah, 100%, 100%, sure, sure. 100%. Yeah, definitely more people watched it um, on Twitch than, um, than watched it and paid. Yeah. yeah. Which is a big, big thing that we're working on for the next one, which is why we're in no rush to get, to get this rematch done because as soon we need that sorted. Whether it be a big broadcaster who takes care of that, takes some of the risk of that, great. If it's on YouTube again, 
well, we need to be coming down a little bit stricter in advance on the likes of exactly. Twitch. But not just coming down on them, but equally having that building that relationship because they, they, they know they came out bad on this and they look yeah. terrible. You know, their reputation mm-hmm. was shot and it still gets, gets they still get uh, the mickey taken out of them now. We know they don't realize we actually have that content, that fight from, from the Logan case. It's copyrighted. It is registered. They have illegally shown it. Yeah. But what do you do about it? Do you go down the route of doing that and spending millions to get a little bit back or do you work with that for the next time? And the, only, yeah. the answer is working with them. So sure. there's, a lot, there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. Sure, sure. So what are you most excited about right now? Like what do you think is going to happen next in our industry? Um, I'm excited about individual things. It moves too quick to think ahead of where we're going to yeah. be next year. Who would have thought like Fortnite was this or distracts were a thing or right. whatever. <laughs> right. What am I excited about right now? A couple of things. Obviously, we're here doing some, uh, we're at VidCon today and KSI is doing some music tonight and we're going to be taking that on tour around Europe and the UK between April and July. That's being announced tomorrow. So this will come out after that. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's going to be huge. You know, some Endemol, we're producing it ourselves. Endemol, the production company is going to be on a great level. Um, very high-end production that we're going to document it and look to sell that somewhere, whether it be YouTube, MTV, whoever whoever wants it, or just go on, go online, sell on iTunes a DVD again, like you did yeah. this documentary for the boxing. Um, so that's exciting, you know. Another journey, new album coming out as well for that. Other exciting things, you know, just fun projects which are outside the day to day. Obviously, the, the the bread and butter is the brand deals, you know, whether it be from launching a Porsche car like we've done last year to KFC to, you know, I think we've done about four thousand brand campaigns in seven years now. There's, we've done it all, and we'll continue to do it. Um, so that's not going to stop. Does that excite you from day to day? As long as it's a slightly different piece of content and a brand is always willing to work with you to push the boundary in an area and build in with the content, it's always fun. It's always unique. It's always bespoke. I keep getting asked for, oh, what's your rate card for this guy? There's no such thing. <laughs> there is no because rate card. There's no two deals the same. So but, that keeps it interesting, right? And that's the fun of the, and obviously the evolving platforms from Instagram to yeah. obviously YouTube and, and wherever we may go, we'll just follow the trends. And that's just as simple as, as long as these guys are popular and they support those platforms, there's a business there. But in terms of other things, yeah, there's some, some, some I'll probably forget to mention some, but obviously we've just, uh, Ali A's second TV show on BBC just came out last oh, weekend. Wow. Um, the guy is an incredible presenter, you know, he- It's he not is, about cars, is it? It's cars, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he loves cars. He's basically, um, it's basically Pimp My Ride for families. <laughs> That's Wait, so very Pimp My Ride audience. for families. Yeah. So the kids <laughs> say, my dad's car sucks. It's falling apart. And then Ali A- gets his team into the garage and they do it. They that do is, a makeover that is on the car. Then the parents come in and the kids go, voila. That is, that <laughs> is, so that is epic. So, that, 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 so that's the, uh, it's called I'm Not Driving That. That's on BBC iPlayer right now. Um, so that's fun. It's, the two worlds it's are just fun. emerging. It is, it is so exciting. And it's, like, uh, it's an animal it's production so as well, so we're in, in great hands there. Now, Ali didn't do that for the money of, of doing that. But he did he, it for the love. Of the- he, for the brand, for the fun, the entertainment, getting out the bedroom, exactly. <laughs> getting out from games. I mean, he does a lot of traveling anyway. Right. I'm not kidding. You know, he, he's, Just this month, he's been doing deals and, and, and promotions in Dubai, New York, you know, everywhere. He's going off with mm. the Formula E soon as well. So there's lots of stuff he does, but it, it's one of those sort of projects which is more of a, it is a TV builder. It is a mid-term, long-term, keep it in your back pocket. But equally, it is just something, you know what? I just fancy doing that. It's 12 days of my time over the course of three months. I can do this. And the, the beauty with him is he's so confident in it too. He's as good a TV presenter as any TV presenter yeah. because he's used to being in front of this mic all day, every day. He takes one take for virtually every scene. <laughs> um, because if he doesn't do that on his own videos, he doesn't get a video out that night. Exactly. So, so when you're on these sets with these seasoned TV hosts and, and guests <laughs> on the show, and they're going, oh, I'll go again. Oh, I said that wrong. It's like, Ali's there going, dude. He's not saying it because he's too polite, but you can yeah. see it's like, we're, and the amount of full day shoots that have been put in front of him, and he's been out of there by lunchtime because he just smashes it. That's awesome. Um, but equally, we realize, unless, I mean, in this country, unless you are Jonathan Ross, Graham Norton, or Jeremy Clarkson, the three big TV hosts, right. with your own production company, with your own Saturday night show, no YouTuber of, of Ali or JJ or any of these guys' size is going to make more money on TV than they do on YouTube. So most guys don't care less about it. Yeah. But, so, but it has to be, some guys want to be on radio, some guys can't be bothered, some guys want to write a book, some guys still haven't written one because they can't be bothered. Uh, they know it's a lot of effort and you have to go and tour around the bookshops for a few weeks. <laughs> it's just too much for them. Some guys have nothing to write about. 
it's you know it's all what it is but they can talk about it on, on the video right? yeah, and do a podcast or, or do a video yeah, and monetize it well Liam thank you it's been a pleasure to have you on this podcast and what I what I love about your story is that you're able to see an opportunity you saw the writing on the wall and you literally took action in the sense of hey I'm going to just jump right in both feet and then you actually looked at ways to transform yourself in the industry and, and become an industry leader yeah and to scale it yeah. I mean, I mean, it's one thing to start a business. It's another thing to grow one. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you're able to come into gaming and, and really see an opportunity and like make something happen out of it. And I mean, you will always be a pioneer in this industry. And so it's, it's a great yeah. thing to, but it's, it's ever, ever a cha- it never stops. Does it? It's yeah. educate every day. There's a new generation coming into it every, every year. Mm-hmm. The people coming into the companies, the brands that they, they are the, you know, the, uh, the people who are watching the videos now. So over time and now it is going to get easier and easier, of course, in educating this space, but there's still people every day still in the old school. Still need, yeah. Still, still need you remember the, going into meetings where they'd be like, well, that content sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's not about the content. It's about, well, well it is, but it's about how much now. the audience but, loves it. Yeah. But no, the difference is, is you're not their audience. So, right. Like, right. Like, exactly. You're trying to sell to the audience. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Thank you so much, Liam, for coming on thanks, thanks, and thank everyone for watching this podcast. You can actually find all our podcasts online at creative disruption.com. Right. Thanks for coming thank on. You.